Judy couldn't see his face, but she assumed he must be Andrew Snyder, the 19-year-old son of the family. His parents expected him to return home from work about this time. She let the draperies fall into place and stepped out of the living room into the foyer. When she heard Andrew's footsteps on the porch, she opened the door. Andy, she said, I was so worried. Chucking off his boots to leave them on the porch, Andrew smiled and shook his head. You worry too much, Mom. I'm not late. No, you're not, but terrible things have been happening in town tonight. What terrible things? As Andrew stepped into the foyer in his stocking feet, the Judy replicant closed the door, turned to him, and began to unbutton his peacoat. In the best imitation of motherly concern that she could manage, she said, You'll catch your death in this weather. Pulling a scarf from around his neck, he asked again, What terrible things? He frowned with confusion and annoyance, as if her fussing with his coat must be out of character for her. As she opened the buttons, she maneuvered him until the doorway to the study lay beyond even his peripheral vision. All the killings, she said. It's horrible. Intent upon her to an extent he had not been until now, Andrew said, Killings? What killings? As he spoke, His replicant glided silently out of the study, directly to him, and pulled the trigger instantly upon pressing the muzzle of the brain-probe pistol to Andrew's left temple. The young man's face wrenched with pain, but only for a moment. Then his eyes widened with terror, even as his face relaxed into an expression that was hardly more readable than that of someone in a coma. "'Come with me,' said the replicant Andrew, and led his namesake into the living room. Sit on the sofa. Silvery bead shimmering like a drop of mercury on his temple, Andrew Snyder did as he was told. If the replicant Andrew had chosen to sit opposite the real one and squeeze the trigger again, the pistol wouldn't have fired another skull-piercing dart. The second shot would have been a telemetric command initiating transmission from the embedded needle to a data storage module in the replicant's inorganic brain. In ninety minutes or less, the essence of the young man's life experience, acquired knowledge, memories, faces, torrents of sights and sounds, would be downloaded to his impersonator. The replicant had no need, however, to pass for Andrew Snyder in more than appearance. By this time, the night after next, all the citizens of Rainbow Falls would have been killed, rendered, and processed. No one who had known the real Andrew would remain alive to be deceived by his laboratory-bred double. Ninety minutes devoted to memory downloading would be, in this instance, a waste of time. Replicants despised waste and distraction. Focus and efficiency were important principles. The only morality was efficiency. The only immorality was inefficiency. The community, as creatures born in the hive called their new civilization, would soon possess a secret base from which to move outward relentlessly across the continent and then swiftly across the world. Communitarians were the embodiment of progress, the end of history, the end of all the repulsive messiness of human delusions and random events, the beginning of a planned future that, according to a precise timetable, would lead one day to the absolute perfection of all things. The communitarian Andrew Snyder, already dressed for the winter night, left the living room to join the communitarian Warren Snyder, 
who waited for him in the Ford Explorer that was parked in the garage. The real Warren, paralyzed in the living room armchair, was the general manager and the program director of KBOW, the only radio station in town. Early in every violent revolution, those who would overthrow the current order must seize control of all means of communications in order to deny the enemy a command structure that might facilitate resistance. Everyone working the evening shift at KBOW must be controlled and then conveyed to one of the centers where the people of Rainbow Falls were being vigorously processed. The replicant Judy remained behind with the Judy whom she had replaced and with the two males sitting docilely in the living room. Her assignment was to wait here until a transport arrived to collect the brain-pierced trio and take them to their destruction. Even if the members of the Snyder family had been in...